0: I have big news. Digiday Plus is expanding. That means that if you are a member, you already get unlimited access to our content. If you are not a member, you are not going to get unlimited access to our content. You will uh, get to read up to four articles a month, and after which point we're going to ask you to become a a Plus member. This is an important way for us to sort of eat our own dog food and to build that kind of sustainable media model that we talk about on this podcast every single week. But if you're on the fence, and since you are a loyal podcast listener, which we do not ask people to pay for, I'm going to ask you to subscribe to Digiday Plus for three months for just $49. Yes, that's right, $49. Go to digiday.com slash subscribe and enter the code intro at checkout, and you will get three months at a mere $49. Hope you give it a try. I promise you it's worth it. Meredith, which swallowed Time, Inc., is home to a stable of media brands that cater to women. But it is also home to a diversified business model at a time when most of the media wants to be just that. I'm Brian Marcy, and this is the Digiday Podcast. On this week's episode, I speak to John Werther, the president of the National Media Group at Meredith. John and I talk about uh, the sale of the heavyweight magazines of Time and Fortune, how scale helps Meredith compete with platforms, how Meredith diversifies its revenue, and much more. It's funny because John and I realized before this that we were both from the Philadelphia area and very nearby. um, And I too on my phone have a video of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. But it was on a Monday morning in Japan, because I was in Tokyo uh, for, we have a a joint venture in Japan, so. Well,
1: I'm going to date myself. I lived (laughs) in Japan for a year, a a fairly long time ago, and then we couldn't get access to any of the Eagles games, and my parents used to VHS the Eagles games and send them to me. I would get them by Thursday or Friday and watch the games from the okay. previous weekend. Well, so
0: now you can go to an Indian nightclub in Rapongi at <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning and watch the Super there you Bowl. Go. It's an amazing world we live in. Uh, so John, I want to get into um, you know Meredith's strategy, but I, it seems like this year, I mean, there's a drumbeat of bad news when it comes to media. I don't know, like some of it appears in Digiday every now and again. I mean, we felt. The need to put a unicorn on the cover of our magazine, and we pivoted to print. (laughs) Very strange move, Uh, because and it says the legend of the profitable publisher, because like we wanted to remind people that you know it is not all doom and gloom. Correct. What is your take on what is going on right now with all of the turbulence, um, particularly when it comes to digital media? It used to be you'd put, you know, digital on the good side and then quote-unquote traditional and legacy on the bad side. And, and things are kind of mi- mixed up right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, um, of change in the marketplace and it's applying to really all channels um, within media. And I think on the digital side in particular, what we're seeing, I think, as an industry, uh, uh, as a group of publishers, is that uh, a couple of things. First, that easy and automated campaign execution is becoming critically important and the platforms have been able to take advantage of that um, through very powerful data um, measurement and self-service capabilities and that's one of the things that we as an industry need to equal um, in terms of the ease of working with companies like us across all of the assets that we uh, we have to bear. Second obviously is a continued shift Um, from top of the funnel or or brand focused campaigns really to performance oriented or bottom of the funnel um, uh, metrics where again the platforms excel and I think as publishers we have the opportunity and the capability to demonstrate as we've done for decades and decades and decades that we can leverage our brands and our trusted editorial and our cross-channel environments uh, to drive action and to drive outcomes and ultimately uh, to ensure that we can help uh, direct-to-consumer clients uh, and the agencies that represent them, and also traditional brands that are looking to go direct-to-consumer, lower their customer acquisition costs and increase lifetime value, which we've been able to do for our, from our own direct-to-consumer efforts. Video is also another you know, trend, obviously, of growth that we're all seeing. The you know, couple of challenges. One, um, there's a challenge in terms of all of the content that's created needs to be tailored to um, the particular platforms uh, that it's distributed on, whether it's o whether it's Instagram TV, whether it's uh, you know, Hulu or Netflix, etc. But the challenge for us as publishers is how do we continue to do that and grow that scale profitably? And that's, uh, again, when I talk about a unicorn, that's, that's a fairly uh, interesting unicorn opportunity. And I would say a couple of other things that are, are um, challenges and opportunities, the importance of first party data uh, and transparency, uh, so many of our clients uh, have a lot of data uh, that they don't know what to do with. And there's a lot of bad data out there. As publishers, I think we have the opportunity to continue to showcase uh, the value of our insights and in analytics and first party data and what our brands together with our insights can do uh, in terms of anchoring big opportunities for advertisers and the agencies that represent them that really drive business outcomes. And and so it's not all gloom and doom. I think there are opportunities and. There are a couple uh, publishers uh, that are maybe in your unicorn category. I would say we're one of them. And one of the things we also continue to see, I think all of us as publishers, is that what still matters the most are big ideas, insights, and innovation. And when we have those and we can offer those, um, particularly ones that are brand-led and insights-driven, which we all have the capabilities to drive, those are the kind of things that our competitive set, uh, both pure-play publishers and other digital companies, can't necessarily offer. Um, To the level that we can and so you know while we're certainly in a turbulent time We here at Meredith continue to be very optimistic about the future for uh, cross-channel media uh, that publishers like all of us operate
0: So let's stick with the platforms for a second though because they were the first ones you mentioned Sure Um, Obviously there's there's been a lot of angst around the duopoly, but it would seem that if you're gonna fight on the data and the scale um, and the DR level Platforms are going to win every day of the week, twice on Sunday.
1: Well, I think what we see, and we're not only competing on those levels, we're competing through a combination of things um, here at Meredith. And I, the brands sit at the center uh, of that. I mean, that is one of the key differentiators that we have, and other publishers have as well, is the at scale brands that we have that engage consumers very deeply uh, across all of our channels on a daily basis. Uh, you know, one of the things that makes us optimistic as Meredith is the, the at-scale nature of those brands. When you think about a people that reaches 80 million uniques every single month, you think about an all recipes, that's the largest food brand in the world. When you think about the fact that our immersive cross-channel experiences drive two out of every three dollars that are spent across every key purchasing category. That's pretty uh, impressive. When you think about the fact that our content creation capabilities, our storytelling, our insights and analytics, all drive significant business outcomes for clients and the agencies that represent them, and that we guarantee those results Mm -hmm. for our largest advertisers. Certainly, there are companies out there and the platforms among them that may have greater reach than we do greater uh, first party data in terms of of absolute volumes than we do. Um, You're never
0: going to target as well as Facebook.
1: Look, uh, we think in certain cases that we can and it depends. Um, Obviously even with DTC customers or uh, companies, you get to a point of diminishing returns and we're hearing that increasingly that they're tapping out um, in terms of some of the platforms and that's where we can play. Where the intersection of our brands, our insights, um, what we uniquely understand about consumers can actually compete effectively, and we're seeing it through our foundry-led, content-driven initiatives, through our insights and analytics-driven programs, and our brand-led opportunities, where clients and the agencies that represent them continue to come back to us for large integrated opportunities. We are increasingly among that small group of um, media companies that they're choosing to work with on an annualized basis, those large clients and agencies, and that ultimately the results are, are working and uh, for them, and and ultimately they're coming back and renewing.
0: So year plus since the Time Inc. acquisition, um, got a new name out front. Yep. Um, biggest thing that has changed since then. Obviously, a, a few of the brands are no longer here.
1: Yep. It was obviously a very difficult decision for us when we looked at at um, you know adjusting our portfolio. Obviously, brands like Time and Fortune and Sports Illustrated are iconic brands. Um, And they have a lot of uh, love uh, from consumers. And what we ultimately felt was that we wanted to continue to focus on our core portfolio, which really focused on women. We reach 90% of all American women. We reach 80% of millennial women. We reach 75% of Latinas. That's our core audience. We still reach 175 million consumers overall. But ultimately, we took a look at our core focus, and we took a look at where certain brands would fit or might not fit as well. Um, That was one of the opportunities that we undertook, and we felt that those brands um, in particular could have homes um, outside of Meredith that would allow them to thrive um, even more so than they'd be able to do so uh, under the Meredith uh, umbrella.
0: Okay. Uh, Not a magazine company
1: not a magazine company Meredith yeah we're we're, we're a cross-channel media company absolutely I think what's interesting is we're often viewed as a magazine publisher first and that's one of the things that we've had to continue to combat in the marketplace is the perception of us as a magazine only company we reach 140 million unique visitors every single month across all of our uh, digital channels we reach 250 million social media uh, followers each and every month and we have a massive digital footprint it's not as big as, as you know the platforms but it's pretty big and we have a lot of first-party data that's very unique from 175 million consumers Um, we have incredibly engaging uh, cross-channel experiences and our channels work very well together Mm -hmm. Um, and so we continue to um, you know educate the marketplace and showcase that in the marketplace but we're very proud of our magazine heritage and, and, and being a publisher at the same time, we have a whole host of other assets that we offer from digital to short form and mid-length and long form video uh, to brand licensing. I don't know if a lot of people realize this, we are the second largest um, brand licensor in the world after Disney in terms of retail sales. I mean, Think about that for a second. Disney, then Meredith. So we have these brands that are very powerful, not just in print,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: just in digital, but experientially. From a brand licensing perspective, from a mobile perspective, from a video perspective, and we're looking to continue to create that 360-degree IP.
0: So, how does the role of print change then? I mean, I'm a believer in print.
1: Yeah, we pivoted oh, to probably. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> we have to actually for some of our brands, like All Recipes.
0: Yeah, um, but that's a different one. I mean, so you've got some brands that. It's one thing if you're a digitally native brand, it's a different thing if if your uh, legacy is in print, um, and then expressing it differently, whether that's through websites, apps, or video. Yep.
1: Look, I I am a digital native. I mean, I started more than 20 years ago um, at AOL, and um, so I've been in the digital space for as long as I can remember. I've become a big believer in print, particularly since joining Meredith. I see the power of it every day. as a a channel itself and working together with other channels. And I'll give you a a great example. So one of our key partnerships is with Chip and Joanna Gaines from uh, the Magnolia Journal brand. Now, obviously, their TV rights and digital rights are part of another company uh, partnership uh, with Scripps and HGTV. And we could only partner with them. They came to us and said, "We we want to launch a magazine. But that's all we can do with you. We have to be very careful, and we obviously respect um, partnerships. What's interesting is we launched that magazine as a quarterly publication, $20, um, which is higher than our, our uh, normal price point for five issues. And we have more than a rate base of more than a million now. And they're all direct-to-publisher subscriptions. And that brand, in print alone, is the most profitable brand in the 116 year history of our company, in its first year of operation. And it's one of our most profitable brands, period, as a company. So if that's not an example of how the print medium is still vibrant and still works uh, across different life stages, I mean the millennial audience is very large uh, for that brand. So that excites us. Now look, would we love to be able to do more with them across other channels, Chip and Joanna? Of course. We're very happy with how that's turning out, and we continue to believe in the print medium.
0: So uh, I think every conversation I have with publishing executives at some point comes down to diversification of revenue. And a lot of that is really diversification away from ad revenue. For Meredith, what does diversification of revenue look like?
1: So I think uh, start at the highest level. Uh, I think one thing a lot of people also don't know about Meredith is we're a multi-billion dollar um, national media uh, group within Meredith. Half of our revenue roughly comes from consumer forms of revenue, and half comes from advertising. So we're already, and the the merger um, and the combination with Time Inc. has helped us in that regard, we're already a diversified media company in terms of advertising and consumer revenue. At the same time, we're looking to continue to diversify within each area. So one of the things, from an advertising perspective, obviously you have print advertising and digital advertising, and those are starting to get to the point where they're roughly, uh, you know, equal for us. Print's still a little bit bigger than digital at this point, but within digital, what we've done, when I got to Meredith, you know, seven years ago, um, roughly 90% of our traditional display inventory um, was uh, 90% of our inventory was traditional display. And we were largely monetizing that through direct sales. We set out uh, on a journey to create more non-IAB standard inventory, premium monetization. And that was some of our acquisitions that we did in the areas of shopper marketing, native, engagement-based video, et cetera, to build more premium forms of monetization that could be directly sold while allowing all of our traditional IAB display to be sold for the most part through uh, programmatic or automated channels. So now where we are as a company is we're about 50-50. So we're monetizing the consumers digitally through multiple ways, and what that's allowed us to do is improve our yield um, on our engagement with consumers, and ultimately provide a a richer suite of products to advertisers and agencies that drives better return on investment for them and allows us to continue to profitably grow uh, revenue on the digital side. We've also leaned into programmatic um, from a PMP and programmatic guaranteed perspective, We're taking our first-party data and standing up segments that can be accessed on an automated basis for our largest advertisers, which again is growing fairly significantly. Um, And insights and content, what the Foundry does in particular, continue to anchor our largest partnerships. And that's what's really driving the diversification of ad revenue, those Mm -hmm. combination of things to the point where we're growing um, our digital revenue profitably where others perhaps can't. When you look at the consumer revenue side of the equation, obviously we have a rich history and a a rich set of uh, subscribers. We have 42 million subscriptions, um, relationships each and every year. And that forms the basis of our consumer products group. But what we've done is we've continued, as in the case of traditional display advertising, on the uh, consumer product side. We've diversified um, uh, alongside those magazine subscriptions to include brand licensing, which I just referred to. That's one of our most profitable um, and, and, and growing revenue streams. To also, I would call from a, a, a performance-oriented platform perspective, we've invested in affiliate, bought an affiliate marketing platform, uh, which is called Shop Nation. That ultimately helps us drive more than half a billion dollars in retail sales each and every year, and that's growing very, very quickly. Um, among 400 retailers across 250 million products we bought a company um, in the uh, lead generation space um, which was called yaki and ultimately what they've helped us to do is to continue to drive very uh, efficient and effective leads lowering cost per acquisition and improving lifetime value in categories like home services and insurance where traditionally we haven't uh, um you know had as significant growth as we have today and then most recently about a month ago we bought a company in the um the deals and um and coupon space called linfield media and what that's allowing us to do is leverage exclusive relationships with retailers to drive uh, sales for our uh, retail and brand partners all of those things are very fast growing areas of our consumer revenue business they're tied to our digital business and when you look at those businesses together, digital advertising and digital consumer revenue, they continue to drive significant growth for us that's very, very profitable.
0: You didn't mention paywalls.
1: So it's interesting, and we may be a unicorn in this case, but um, we have tested paywalls on a number of different fronts throughout my time here, and we have yet to find a paywall uh, strategy that works better than um, a non-paywall strategy for any of our brands. Now, that being said, historically, before our combination with time, we were really more Food, home, family, and lifestyle—you um, know—brands with mostly evergreen content. As we think about our new portfolio with entertainment assets and luxury assets, these I think are things that you'll see us continue to look into and again test and see if what's held historically to be true continues to be true going forward mm-hmm. from that perspective.
0: When people talked about diversification of revenue a couple of years ago, they always went to agency services. Um, everyone wanted a T-Brand studio, and so. What happened was a ton of content studios sprung up, and like everything, you know, it becomes ruthlessly competitive and margins get compressed. What are you seeing on the competitive side for something like the Foundry, and how do you how do you separate it out in a really really crowded area now?
1: Well, I will tell you, and you can you know ask everyone who, who's here from Meredith. One of the things I was most excited about, we were most excited about in combining with Time was the Foundry. It is our secret weapon. It is an unbelievable. creative lab and studio and what was interesting to us at the time was that it was off to the side when we combined businesses it wasn't integrated into the rest of the business and we looked at it and said wow this is an incredible ideation engine it's an incredible content creation engine this needs to be part of everything that we do as a national media group and it needs to be anchored in in our digital business and so we took the foundry and put it inside our digital business the other thing we realized—wait,
0: let me say—like, what does that mean? Put it in the
1: organizationally, we okay. took it from being separate and a standalone business unit to an integral part, the aorta, really, if you will, of, of our our digital business. From an, an advertising perspective, as you think about branded content becoming part and converging with um, advertising opportunities, we also realized that there is an opportunity from an enterprise perspective we had a number of different business units that were creating enterprise content custom content um, whether digital or print or video uh, for clients that ultimately didn't want those to be part of media deals and so we unified all of those groups under an umbrella we now call Foundry 360 those two groups sit together and they are an integral part of every big ideation effort that we have, of every key advertising partnership that we have, every key custom uh, content creation opportunity we have. And not only that, one of the greatest capabilities it has, the Foundry has and we have as a company, is that this business unit is not only helping us to inform media decisions for clients and agencies, it's helping us to inform product decisions. So we are helping clients and the agencies that represent them understand where there's white space for them to launch new direct-to-consumer products. Mm-hmm. We have about six of those in the works about to be, be launched in, in the not-too-distant future. And we're also helping them, because we understand trends so well and what, what consumers are doing, why they're doing it, and what they intend to do. And we can predict them relatively far into the future, particularly in the areas of food, um, beauty, entertainment, et cetera, that we can help them avoid decisions, avoid making investments that aren't going to pan out because trends have already sort of uh, crested and, you know, things are heading the other way.
0: But you don't want to make your own
1: products. Well, here's what's interesting. We, we are more in the, the arena of partnering with others to launch products together. So we have something, one of our areas, we have a number of areas of innovation. Um, and I'll get back to the Foundry in a second. Um, which is what we call our Meredith product studio. And we take our best and brightest from across the company in the areas of editorial, in the areas of consumer revenue, in the areas of, um, of insights and analytics. And what we do is we sit them together and we sit with clients and help them understand what's happening in the marketplace, where there are opportunities to launch new consumer products and from ideation to conceptualization to, to design to distribution to launch to optimization. Our Meredith product studio is right there alongside with them, launching those new products and then helping them distribute them to our audiences and beyond our own, uh, you know, owned and operated network of, of properties um, in ways that we believe will, will drive uh, much lower uh, consumer acquisition cost for them, and uh, much higher lifetime value, and allow them to benefit um, through a partnership with Meredith in ways they can't from others. And you know what separates the Foundry to me, sorry Brian, back to your question, mm-hmm. is a couple of things. One, not only is it, it is an unbelievable creative lab and, and content studio, but it is um, it, it is something that is authentic. Like we we don't create clickbaity content. Uh, We create authentic content. We understand our brands. We understand how to weave in the marketing messages of key advertisers that work with us within those branded experiences and outside. We also are representative of not just a generation of women in particular. We're representative of every single life stage of women from leading Gen Zers all the way through to Millennials to Gen Xers to baby boomers and we're not bi-coastal. We represent the coast and the heartland. No other content studio can say that. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, we, are also, we also have the ability to create high content at scale. When you think about the fact that we have four broadcast level uh, content studios, when you think about the fact that we have 20,000 square feet of test kitchens, when you think about the fact that we have uh, 20,000 pieces of content that we create each and every year, in some cases 500 to 1,000 pieces of content for an individual campaign, the ability to create that content. At scale, like we can, and have it work and have it continue to anchor our largest media opportunities and seeing the strong renewal rates that we enjoy. I think that's um, something that differentiates us and differentiates the Foundry, together with the ability to not only inform media campaigns but mm-hmm. to extend beyond media into product development.
0: I, I would say at some point last year, the pivot to video became a punchline. Um, f- uh, what did this sort of pivot to video look like for Meredith?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think one of the things I alluded to earlier, we've, um, we've been very judicious about investing in video. We know it's a big opportunity. Obviously, we are a earnings per share focused company, and we want to make sure that we can um, invest in video profitably. What's been interesting over the past year, and you talk about one of the things that's changed the most since we combined with time, is that our entertainment brands are really continuing to lead the way, not only in the development of um, more scale from a shorter form video perspective, but particularly from a mid-length and long-form programming perspective and so from it's not op-
0: about feeding Facebook beasts as much with short form.
1: Well, it, it is. So here's what's interesting. So on, I'll, maybe F- Facebook Watch, we were one of the you know original partners. The Martha Stewart brand was one of our, our uh, lead brands um, from a Facebook Watch perspective. We enjoyed a lot of success there. From an Instagram TV perspective, we've uh, launched 14 shows. We have six more on the way. We continue to lean into IGTV um, from a distribution perspective. And what our our uh strategy is is to be where our consumers are. We ultimately want them to consume content where they want to consume it. We want to tailor it to that particular platform and our Instagram um you know traffic from a a, a follower perspective and from a session perspective has mushroomed. It's our fastest growing platform. Um uh, we have about 35 million uh followers right now and we've uh, doubled, virtually doubled our uh, followers uh, year over year, and we've close to tripled uh, our sessions over the last six months. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing it; it's working. IGTV has been a, a great foundation for brand integration. Um, we've done a fair, fairly good job at monetizing it. We think we're still in the early stages. But that's our strategy. Lead, get in early, try to test and learn, see how consumers are engaging with our content, uh, and then ultimately lean into brand integration. and. If and when um, the switch is flipped and we're able to, uh, you know, monetize that more directly through our direct sales efforts beyond brand integration, we're going to be ready to do that.
0: I, you, you talked about earnings per share, not views per share. So, I mean, there has to be some path to monetization. There, there On, is. Uh, there is. You see it in, in something like IGTV. We do. Otherwise, we do. at some point you walk away.
1: Yeah. If we, if, we, if we didn't see it as a win-win, you know, partnership, if we didn't see it driving uh, brand authority, if we didn't see it driving brand awareness, if we didn't see it... Uh, you know, exposing our content to newer audiences. If we didn't see it driving a lot of referral traffic back to to Meredith, uh, we wouldn't. If we didn't see it driving monetization. We would be wouldn't be leaning into it as much as we are.
0: Any platform initiatives? Because I think we went through a period where a lot of publishers, you know, just said yes to a lot of platform um, programs, and the platform said, "Well, we'll figure out the." You know, We're just experimenting here and, and stuff like this. Uh, and it seems to me that a lot of publishers are getting a little bit choosier when it comes to participating. There any, have there been any platform initiatives that you've either turned down or just walked away from because the monetization simply did not come quick enough?
1: Um, that's a great question. I would say nothing we've walked away from entirely. I think we've probably dialed back. And remember, each brand is different. You know, YouTube may work better for certain brands than others. Inst- Instagram TV may work better for, for certain brands than others. Hulu or Netflix may work better for certain brands or others. Uh, Apple News, which we haven't talked about yet, may. you know, it, it's interesting to sort of were. I'm very curious to see how how ultimately that performs by brand but the early returns or the entertainment brands seem to be getting a lot of traction so it really depends on the brand it depends on the channel i wouldn't say we've walked away from any of the platforms i think we continue to lean in differently um, for each brand and obviously we've got to test and learn so we take that into account it doesn't have to be profitable from minute one but if we don't see a a fairly um decent path to profitability in the not too distant future then you know we have to watch that and and uh, adjust accordingly.
0: So you mentioned Apple News Plus. Um, what did you think of their initial pitch to you? I mean, there was some pushback to it, but then everyone just, most people went along with it.
1: There was never really any pushback from our perspective, and we've always been very excited about the opportunity. We think that you know, with five hundred and sixty-five million plus uh, iTunes, uh, you know, subscribers and users that we have the opportunity um, at a very strategic level to expose our brands to newer audiences that um, might not be as familiar with our brands today. We have the ability to um, e- enable our existing subscribers if they want to access more of our content um, through the Apple News Plus experience. Um, and look, there's a couple of different ways um, that you know, the relationship benefits publishers like Meredith. First and foremost, we um, obviously can share in the upside of increased engagement with our brands um, and the time spent with those brands within the Apple News Plus um, ecosystem. Secondarily, um, when those subscriptions count and they're audited by the AAM, and when they count as digital copies, we ultimately are able to reduce our subscriber acquisition costs from a printing and postage and distribution perspective. And third, we're able to partner with Apple to monetize um, those assets from an advertising perspective, both in Apple News Plus um, as part of our digital copies, because obviously the same ads run in the digital copies as, as, as uh, run in uh, physical print copies, but also from a uh, an Apple News perspective.
0: So you're not worried about like cannibalizing at all, or training, training people to say, well, I get people in Apple News, I don't need to... I don't need to get a, a subscription.
1: No, we're really not. We think it's additive. Uh, we really do. And, and um, we're, we think it's a great potential growth opportunity for both us and Apple News. And Apple News, uh, apple, Apple's apple been a great partner uh, to us. And we're very excited. And we'll obviously continue to, to uh, lean into it as a platform. And, and we want to be one of the, the publishers that has the highest uh, dwell time and the highest engagement with our brands. And we think that's a win for Meredith. It's a win for our consumers, most importantly. And it's also a win for Apple. Mm-hmm.
0: Has Facebook been a good partner?
1: We do a lot of things with Facebook. Um, you know, obviously we, we lean in. It's our largest channel um, from a, a, a social reach perspective. As I said, again, we reach roughly a quarter of a billion um, uh, consumers in terms of followers uh, across social. And we found it to be a, a, a good platform for us um, in terms of driving engagement with consumers, being where our consumers want us to be, and driving traffic back to Meredith um you know owned and operated properties i would say what distinguishes us is that we haven't made a bet on any one platform in particular we haven't decided to build brands on one particular platform we've decided to build brands holistically facebook and instagram uh, twitter and pinterest um, snapchat they're all part of the ecosystem in which we create content for and distribute content Mm -hmm. and engage with our consumers and look to uh you know drive brand awareness, brand authority and traffic back to the properties that we own and operate.
0: Um so time was obviously a gigantic acquisition, acquisition yes. but there's a lot for sale out there. I don't know if you know this, but yes. a lot of yes. a lot of assets are for sale out there. Do you do you expect Meredith to be an acquirer out there of some of these assets because prices are getting pretty good?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, Steve Lacy, who just retired as our executive chairman, is now our chairman, would always say you have basically one choice in media. You can be an acquirer or a consolidator or an acquiree or a consolidatee And we look at ourselves as a consolidator. Um, we think there are going to be opportunities to continue to strategically add to our portfolio going forward. And again, we are very particular about the types of um, uh, assets that we look to buy. They have to be compelling. Um, from a consumer-facing perspective first and foremost. Uh, They have to ultimately have a solid business model and fundamentals behind them, and they have to be available, and they have to be available at the right price, and that's really the the cadence that we go through when we look at opportunities, and and so we're constantly going to be on the lookout and constantly have been on the lookout for acquisition opportunities. My friend Catherine Levine is sitting back here. She's just recently uh, uh, joined us as as first our chief strategy officer and now um, our head of Meredith Digital, Um, And she, uh, among the rest of our leadership team, were actively looking at opportunities in the marketplace to expand our portfolio.
0: Mm -hmm. So how about the the competition with Pure Place? I was actually reading an interview earlier today um, that Brian Goldberg, who um, loves to talk, uh, he's been on the Digiday podcast a few times, and with he called he said that he wants Bustle to be the Meredith of the digital age. And I think the implication of that was that Meredith is not the Meredith of the digital age. I thought we were. <laughs> I mean, maybe
1: I missed something, but uh, I think we are the Meredith of the digital age. Um, and uh, look, we welcome the pure play digital competition. Again, as you think about what we've just talked about for the last little bit of time here, we have brands that have long heritages of of being trusted and inspiring women to action uh, in terms of daily needs, all the way through to, you know, aspirational goals that they never thought were achievable. We have first party data from 175 million consumers, 110 million women, 80% of all millennial women, 75% of all Latinas. Uh, We have unbelievably rich and unified taxonomies where we understand the consumer journey across all the key categories in which we operate. We have incredibly engaged audiences. We have platform capabilities that allow us to leverage what we know about consumers in real time to benefit our advertising and marketing partners and to ourselves as a a media business as well. So we are a digital-first media company. We are a women-first media company. We are the leading uh, cross-channel media company for women, period. We are the Meredith of digital mm-hmm. and we welcome others to compete with us in the space. And there the big is no bet is Meredith. is
0: that the, the brands are much stronger. Even if they were built in, in a previously in a non-digital way, that the brands are stronger than a lot of these fast growth, pure play, digital um, uh, media
1: I would think that's part of it. I think, again, our storytelling capabilities that we have with the Foundry is part of it. I think the insights and analytics that we have are part of it, and, and the platform capabilities that we have and are continuing to build out are part of it. It's that combination of things that allows us to compete with pure plays in ways that they're not able to compete with us. Okay, well, cool. This is great. Really appreciate everybody being here, and hope you found it informative. Thank you so much, and have a great holiday.
0: Excellent. Cool. Thank you, Doc. And thank you all for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. I want to give a couple of shout-outs this week. The first one goes to Nico Duffy, who was moved by our recent episode on ad tech with Hearst, Mike Smith. And he tweeted, quote, Programmatic is complicated AF. This does a really good job of explaining the way the pipes work, both high-level and in-depth. Thank you very much, Nico. I also want to thank Yvette Uloma Dimiri, who tweeted about uh, the same episode about Mike Smith. Ad tech is very popular. Who knew? Um, Yvette said, uh, no, but seriously, WTF is programmatic. Just listen to Digiday's podcast. And I don't understand much, but it made me even more curious. This only means one thing. I need more. Love the new format, Digiday. Um, Thank you, Yvette. I hope we didn't use matters even worse uh anyway uh, we appreciate all the feedback um i am brian at digiday.com or you can tweet uh at me i am at bmarcy on twitter um or you can reach me on linkedin or wherever um thank you for listening